Almighty God, as we thought about last week, you are incomprehensible. We cannot fully understand you or, or get our heads around what you are like and who you are. And yet, Lord, you do reveal yourself to us through the scriptures and you give us insights into the type of God you are and into your character and into your attributes. And so, Lord God Almighty, we pray tonight that as we consider one of your attributes, that you would speak to us and, and teach us afresh of the type of God you are or remind us tonight of the type of God you are. Oh Lord, tonight we would ask that just now you would speak to us Speak to us a word in season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the things that you might not know about me is that I have always been fiercely independent. I've always been one of those people who likes to do things for myself, who hates to rely on other people, and who likes to sit back after looking at something and think, you know what, I did that. At 16 years old, I remember going to London by myself for three weeks to take part in a theater camp. I flew there myself, I raised the money to go myself, I enjoyed the camp myself, and I came back myself, and I thought, you know what? I am so independent. I remember going to look at universities. It's okay, mom and dad, don't need you to come with me. I'll go myself. I went to Bristol, I went to Newcastle, I went to these places in England, all by myself. So independent. Then I went off to university, and again, didn't have mom and dad come with me, took my own stuff over, got a house sorted, lived with some friends, and did everything for myself. I was so independent. It's interesting, isn't it? We live in a society where we all want to be independent, where independency is, is kind of considered one of those things that we should all be aiming for, to be able to live life without having to rely on anybody else or anything else. As you sit here tonight, if I asked you this question, are you an independent person? Are you independent? My guess is that almost all of you will be nodding inside. Yes, Marty, I am independent. Do you know what I've realized though? I'm not as independent as I once thought. In fact, the more I think about the reality of life, the more I see that I'm not actually independent at all because I rely on all sorts of people for all sorts of things, and without them, I actually couldn't function. If I went to Tesco's and they had no food on the shelves, what would I do? I'm dependent on Tesco's to have their, their shelves full. I'm dependent on BP to have fuel in their, in their tanks for my car. I'm dependent on Little to have pressure washers and paddle boards and all sorts of random stuff in the middle aisle. Don't know what I'd do without those things. I'm dependent on so many things. I'm dependent on Danske Bank to keep my money safe and give me access to it. I'm dependent on BT to, to keep my broadband flowing so that I can connect with people. I am dependent on a million different things and also a million different people. I mean, if the bin men don't come, what am I gonna do then with all my rubbish? If the postman doesn't come, how am I gonna know what people are trying to say to me through the mail? You see, the reality is that no matter how independent we think we are, no matter how independent anyone thinks they are, we are all dependent people, all dependent on others, and all dependent on other things. 
And this leads us to something that the Bible says about God which makes him completely and utterly different from us. You see, what the Bible teaches is that God is completely and utterly independent. He is reliant upon nobody for anything. He has all he needs in himself. The Bible teaches that God is unlike you and unlike me, that he is truly and utterly and completely independent. And what we see in the Bible is that there are, there are two ways that God is different and independent, and, and they're, they're, they're titles you might not understand at first. But tonight I hope that as I explain them, that you will understand them with your mind and hopefully see the difference they will make to your life. And the two ways that God is independent, the first one is that God is self-existent, and the second one is that God is self sufficient. So let's look at these two statements. God is self-existent and God is self-sufficient. Try to understand with our minds what these terms mean and then try to understand what difference they should make in our lives. Let's tackle the first one. God is self-existent. Most of you here will know that I have a six-year-old son. And one of the things that six-year-olds do is they ask some of the most difficult questions you have ever heard in your whole life. Why, Daddy? Why, Daddy? Why, Daddy? How does this work, Daddy? Why, Daddy? You know the idea. Well, one of the best questions that Joshua has ever asked me is this. Daddy, God made the world. Yes, he did, son. We've just been looking at Genesis. Well, Daddy, who made God? Ever had a question like that? Who made God? Well, I said to him, Joshua, God is self-existent. Actually, I didn't. I didn't say that, did I? But that actually answers the question, God is self-existent. And what that means is this, and it's put very simply by a great theologian talking about if you're talking to a child, and he says this, the clearest answer we can give, what does it mean to be self-existent? The clearest answer we can give is that God never needed to be made because he was always there. This, folks, is at the heart of what it means for God to be self-existent. We're saying that God is so independent, so completely different from us, that He has always existed, that He was not made by anyone or made by anything, but that God has always existed. It is in His nature to exist. The one who created everything was uncreated. The one who caused all things had no cause himself. Whenever we say, folks, that, that God is self-existence, this is the type of independent God we have. A God who was never made by anyone or anything, but who has always been. God alone has existed eternally and without a cause. Okay, Marty, I get that. But where do we see it in the Scriptures? The Bible, you see, it's God's revelation of himself. If we want to know what God is like, then we have to see it from the scriptures. Otherwise, we're just guessing. So where do we see this in the scriptures? Well, we see it in a number of places, but I just want to highlight two tonight. And the first one is in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the very first line of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the Bible looks back to a point in time when our universe came into existence, a time when the stars were hung in the sky, 
a time when the earth was formed, a time when plants grew up, a time when people were created. It looks back to the very start of time, and it says, in the beginning, whenever everything you've ever seen or tasted or touched or can fathom was made, in the beginning, even before that, God was there. God was there. Before anything was made, God was in existence. Get your head around that tonight. Before there was time or space, before there was a plant in the ground, before there was a a tree growing up, before there was a single particle of dust in the universe, before there was even a universe at all, God was there, existing. He was there. He was there and in existence. He was not created, but instead created everything we see and taste and smell and touch. There's a lady called Jen Wilkins. She's a Bible teacher from America. I met her a couple of years ago, a lovely down-to-earth lady. And she writes this little book um, that that me and John have been reading that's going to help us with our sermons, and, and she's really helpful in this whole area. But she says this, if you were to make two lists, so imagine doing this, two lists, one containing everything that was uncreated and one containing everything that was created, she says, it wouldn't actually take you very long to write it. She says, no, it would look like this. Uncreated, self-existent, the only thing that was uncreated was God. And everything else, everything we see was created by him. We see this truth in the Psalms as well, in a number of them, but especially in Psalm 90. Look what it says with me on the screen. It says, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. God, you are everlasting. You were there before there was anything that we can even imagine. You have always existed. You were not created. This is really, really hard to get our minds around, isn't it? It's really hard to to not imagine something being created that exists. But this is what the Bible teaches about God. He's so different from us. He's so different from anything we've ever seen. I mean, me, I, I can tell you why I'm here. I was created because of my mom and my dad and my ancestors down the line. I can tell you why my computer sits on my desk. It's because the people at Apple designed it and and the people in China built it. They created that. But we exist. We exist because God caused us to exist. But God exists in and of himself, completely independent. One writer puts it this way. God did not depend upon anything outside himself for his existence nor will he ever depend upon anyone for it. I used to think I was so independent. But I needed people to create me. And I needed God to create me. But he is so independent. He needed no creator and no one to cause his existence. Now, that's actually the easy part 
of talking about self-existence of God. The difficult part with all of these talks over the next few weeks is actually thinking about what, what difference does it make to me? Okay, Morty, I see what you're saying. God has always existed. He's completely independent. There was no cause to him being made. He has always existed and he created everything, including me. But Morty, what difference should that make to my life? Well, I'd like to suggest a number. And the first difference is this. It should make us really, really humble. It should lead to us having humility. At 16, at 18, at 19, at 20, all these times I was so independent, I thought that I was the center of the universe. Look at me. Look how independent I am. I thought of myself as being pretty good, pretty special, pretty important, pretty awesome, pretty arrogant. But whenever we get our heads around this, that, that we are creatures, we've been created by God. Without Him, we, we wouldn't be here. Without Him, we, we wouldn't even be made. Without Him, we, we wouldn't even have life. We are creatures. And we have been created by this uncreated being, this mighty, awesome God. Did you notice what John said? Speaking of Jesus, the Word, at the beginning of time, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they created. And what it says is this, all things were made through Him. And without Him, not anything has been made that was made. And then listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 139. Listen to this and just think about this. The psalmist says, for you created my inmost being. You, Lord, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know it full well. Folks, I think sometimes we are so busy with our lives, so busy rushing around in all the, the great things there are to do, that sometimes I think we can think of ourselves as being so important, so independent. But tonight what we have to recognize is that we're creatures. We're to be humble people who, who say thank you to God for giving us our life. And that is the second application actually of this. It's not just that we should be humble people, but we should be thankful people. Really, really thankful. It's not just that God has created us, but you see all of those people you love, all those people you cherish, all those people who bring a smile to your face, all those people who you love spending time with, God created them as well. And you see all those things that you love, those walks in nature, when you look at the, the sea and the trees and the stars, God created those. Everything you love and enjoy the uncreated one created for your enjoyment. Again, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I can go through life and, and kind of lose the awe. You ever lose the awe? Just get on with the everyday. Just get on with our everyday lives. 
And we just lose the awe in the middle of it all. But folks, if we can get it into our heads as we, as we go about our lives that everything we're enjoying is because God has created it, it should lead us to be thankful people who are in awe of God. I am um, a bit of a fan of The Simpsons. Um, Josh actually reminds me a bit of Bart, which I'm not overly pleased about. And I'm starting to look a bit more like Homer, which I'm not overly pleased about either. But it's interesting, in one of the um, episodes of The Simpsons, Bart is asked to say grace. And this is what he says, and, and he, says it, he actually says a number of different graces in The Simpsons, but, but there's one in particular which, which he says, which, which really struck me, and he says this, Dear God, we paid for this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. And it seems so irreverent to say that in a church, doesn't it? We sit in a church and we hear those words and we think, oh, Bart, can't believe you said that. But yet sometimes when we lose the awe of God, sometimes when we forget that he's the creator and everything is his creation, we can actually start to think like that. But folks, let's, let's not be those people. Let's be those who remember that God is self-existent and has created us and everything we enjoy out of sheer love and kindness. Okay, let's move on to our second big phrase of tonight. And that is that God is self-sufficient. I'm gonna read you a very theological sounding definition and, and I'd like you to track with me, it's on the screen. Let's read this because this will give us an understanding of what it means for God to be self-sufficient. And remember, he is the only self-sufficient. When it says this, within himself, he possesses every quality and every ability in endless measure. He has enough resources in himself for everything he is and does. To put it simply, God does not need anyone or anything. He is complete. God is not dependent on his creation. He is completely independent of it. You see what it's saying about God? It's saying that God is completely and utterly independent. He needs absolutely nothing outside of himself. Everything he desires, everything he wants, everything he needs, he has in and of himself. And again, we see this in Acts chapter 17. Paul is preaching to the Greeks, and the Greeks, they have all of these different idols. And do you know what the idols need? The idols need the people who worship them. The false gods, they need people to give them food, they need people to give them drink. The false gods in Athens, they needed the people to worship them or else they couldn't survive. And the worshipers of these false gods, they could bargain with them. They could kind of blackmail them. The gods in Athens needed the people and were dependent upon them. But Paul says that God is nothing like that. Look at what he says. He says, And the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. 
Rather, He Himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Paul says, our God does not need anything from anyone. Your false gods might need to be served by human hands. They might need food and drink from you, but, but the God of heaven and earth, He needs nothing from anyone. And tonight I just want to do a couple things as we think about this. The first thing I want to do is I want to correct a, a wrong idea that's sometimes within the church. Again, children ask these brilliant questions. Joshua hasn't asked it yet. I'm not really looking forward to when he does because it's a hard one. But if Joshua turned to me and said, Marty, well, he wouldn't say Marty, actually he would, he might, I don't know, Marty, Dad. Okay, so you've told me that God created the world and everything in it and the whole universe and all the people, Dad, you've told me that. That's in the Bible, right? Yes, it is, son. Well, Dad, I've got a question. Why, why did he create it? Hey, Dad, why did he create us? Why did he create the universe? Why did he create me and create you and create people? Why did he do that? Now, I have heard an answer given to that question that completely contradicts what Paul says in Acts chapter 17. And the answer that I've heard given to that question is basically, well, well, God was lonely. You know, God created us because he was all lonely. You know, he'd, he'd had eternity all by himself and he was lonely. And so he created people just so that he could enjoy them and, and he could be fulfilled. I don't know about you, but that answer, it makes it feel like God had, had like a person-shaped hole in his heart. Oh, I just need people so much. I, I better create them. I'm in such need of fellowship with them. That would make God very needy, wouldn't it? Wayne Grudem, who is a, a theologian, and he writes a, a big book called Systematic Theology. He, he talks about this, and he says this. People have sometimes thought that God created human beings because he was lonely and needed fellowship with other persons. If this were true, it would certainly mean that God is not completely independent of creation. It would mean that God would need to create persons in order to be completely happy or completely fulfilled in his personal existence. God didn't create us because he was lonely. Our God is three persons in one. He is Father and Son and Spirit. And through all of eternity, in that relationship, God has been completely and utterly fulfilled. So, Marty, why did God create us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer. But it wasn't because he's lonely. It wasn't because he needs us. You see, God does not need us. God is not reliant upon us. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need me. That sounds a bit cold, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't need you. That sounds a bit cold. Sounds like me as a teenager, I don't need you. But it's not cold. You see, God doesn't need us, but yet he made us. God doesn't need us, and yet he loves us. I actually hate it when people use me. Do you ever hate when people use you? 
It's like they need you for something. And so because they need you for something, then they decide they're going to be your friend or they're going to love you or they're going to like you. They use you to get what they need from you. Well, our God is so awesome that he doesn't need us at all. And yet he just loves us. And yet he just made us. He doesn't need us at all. And yet he invites us into that relationship with him to enjoy life with him now and forever. God doesn't need us, but he loves us. And I want to suggest that the fact that God doesn't need us, it's actually, it should be a big relief for us. A big relief for you and for me. And I just want to quickly explain two reasons why it's a big relief that God doesn't need anyone. And the first reason it's a big relief is because it means that God can't be blackmailed. God cannot be pushed into doing something that he doesn't want to do. He can't be pushed into doing something that is not going to be in line with his will. You see, if I know that you need something from me, I can manipulate the situation to get you to do something that I want. And if God was one who needed us, then we could try to manipulate God into doing something that we want him to do that isn't what he wants. So it's great news tonight. God cannot be blackmailed. God cannot be forced into doing something he doesn't want to do. The Lord will do his will. The Lord will do what he wants. And nothing and no one can stop him. Tonight, though, I want you to think about that on a personal level. Well, let me tell you some prayers that I prayed as a teenager. I wasn't a Christian, but there was times as a teenager that I prayed. And my prayers went a little bit something like this. God, if you would only do this for me, I promise that I will do this for you. God, if only you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And you see what the heart of that prayer is? It's God, you know what? I know that you need me or you want me to do this. God, I think you need me to do this. So will you just make a deal with me? If I do this for you, will you do this for me? But God can't be blackmailed. He didn't need me to do anything. He didn't need me at all. Tonight, folks, can I encourage you not, not to pray those type of prayers? I think we all do sometimes. I think we all do at times. When we're in a panic, when things are going wrong, when, when life is falling apart, we sort of try to bargain with God. God, if, if I do this, will you do this? Can I encourage you instead to do something else? Can I encourage you to pray like this? God, I know that you need nothing from me. And God, I know that there is nothing I can give to you. And so, Lord, I would pray that, that simply out of sheer grace, simply out of sheer kindness, simply because you're good and loving and generous, I would ask you, Lord, would you just help me in this situation? Let's not bargain with God. Let's not try to blackmail him. But let's appeal to his kindness and his generosity and his grace. 
And there's a second reason why it's a reef that God doesn't need us. And the second reason it's a relief is because if God needed us eventually, we'd let him down, wouldn't we? Imagine God needed you something. Imagine that all God's hopes were pinned on you. Imagine the immense pressure that would be. And then imagine trying to live up to that pressure. And then imagine blowing it. And God's whole plan's falling apart. How much stress we would be under if God was reliant on us for anything. But he's not. Jen Wilkin in her book, she she writes this, and I, I just wanted to read it. It's not on the screen, I'm sorry. So just listen well. But she gets across the relief it is that God doesn't need us. She writes, if God needed us in any way, we would most certainly let him down. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. But praise God that his plans do not rely on my faithfulness. His joy doesn't hinge on my good behavior. His glory doesn't depend on my performance. I stumble along, chasing my own agendas and plotting my own needs, occasionally offering him reverence he is due. His is unruffled. He is unruffled and unharmed by my inconsistency. He is pleased to be glorified either through me or in spite of me, but he does not need me in the least, and yet he loves me deeply and eternally for no other reason than it is according to his good pleasure. Folks, it is a relief tonight that God doesn't need us. I'm here as the minister of Ravenhill. We're in a five-year reviewable tenure. And you know what? God does not need me to build this church. He'll do that. He'll do that. God does not need us. But yet he chooses to use us. And he chooses to love us. Tonight I just want to suggest a couple of applications of of this second thing that God doesn't need us. And it's this, about God being independent. And there's two applications I I want to point out. The first one is this, is that we are not independent. And that as created people, we are actually dependent upon God. We need God. Tonight, do you recognize that? That as you sit here as people living out your life in this world, God has actually created you to be someone who needs Him. God wants you to depend on Him. God actually wants you to rely on Him. God wants you to turn to Him. God is not asking you to be independent. He's not asking you to be able to do it all without him. In fact, he's asking you to do the opposite. He's calling you to recognize that you cannot do life without him. Tonight, maybe you're here, and that is what you're trying to do. Yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you believe in Jesus. Yes, you have a relationship with God. But if you were to look at your life, you're actually trying to live without Him. You're trying to do everything for yourself. You're not relying on Him for the things that He's called you to rely upon Him for. 
And there's a very simple way to diagnose this. There's a very simple way to know if this is you tonight. And it's related to your prayerfulness. Are you a prayerful person? As you go about your life, are, are you talking to God and asking Him for help? Do you seek His guidance? Do you seek His direction? Do you seek His help? Or do you live each day without even talking to Him and looking to Him for help? Folks, I want to encourage you tonight to be people who recognize that you need God and to be those who live each day relying upon Him. Don't think you need to do it all without Him. Don't think God's asking you to do that. He's not. And the second application of this this truth that we're not independent and only God is, is this, is that we also need other people. We need other people, especially as Christians. It's one of the big things that's, that's put across in so many ways in the New Testament. God has called us to be those who depend upon each other in the church. I love this in 1 Corinthians. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. As the church, we're described as a body, a group of individual parts who make up the whole. And what God says very clearly is that we need each other. Does that make you feel uncomfortable tonight to admit that? Do you know what, Marty? I, I actually do need other people. Do you feel almost ashamed saying that? If you do, it's because you bought into the lie that we're created to be independent. We're not. We're created to be those who are interdependent upon each other, upon our family members, upon our friends, upon our church family members. Again, let me give you a couple of diagnostics tonight. Are you someone who avoids others? That could be a, a simple indicator that you're someone who has an independent spirit and is not willing to rely on other people. Do you avoid other people? Are you an island? Do you do everything yourself? Do you avoid being around others? That could be a clear sign that you're someone who wants to be independent and isn't prepared to rely on other people. And the second diagnostic, <laughs> and I'm definitely in this one. I'm challenged myself tonight. The second diagnostic is this. Do you find it difficult or impossible to ask others for help? Are you someone who avoids asking people for help? Or you're someone who, who, when you go to Ikea to pick up a wardrobe, you go by yourself. You try to get it into the car with complete and utter failure because you won't ask someone to help you. Are you someone when you're sick, you don't go to the doctor because you don't want to have to rely on someone to help you? Are you someone when you're struggling spiritually? You won't speak to the minister or an elder or someone you trust who's a Christian because you don't want people to help you. I have to sort this out myself. I have to do this myself. 
Oh, friends, only God's independent. We're creatures. He's made us to depend on other people. And whenever we refuse to do that, do you know what we're trying to be? We're trying to be like God. When we refuse to accept that we're people who have to be interdependent, we're trying to be like God. Folks, tonight, if you need help, tonight, if you need help with something and and you've just been trying to do it yourself, I'm going to sort this myself. I'm going to sort this myself. Tonight, if that is you, can I encourage you to reach out? Reach out within this church family to someone you know and trust. Reach out to me. Reach out to a family member. Reach out to a good friend. My friends, that is not weakness. That's not weakness. That's living how we're made to live. God is the only one who's self-sufficient. And thanks be to God, he's provided everything we need. Let's pray and thank him. Almighty God, you are the only independent one. You are the only one who doesn't need anyone or anything from anyone else. And Lord, tonight we want to say sorry. Sorry, Lord, that we try to be like you in that way. We're sorry, Lord, that we don't accept that we are creatures who need you. We want to say sorry tonight that we don't accept that we're those who are made to need other people. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us tonight, especially those of us who who pride ourselves on being so independent, that you would bring us to a place of humility where we will learn to lean on you and we'll learn to lean on other people. God, thank you that you've made us. Thank you, Lord, that even though you don't need us, you love us. Thank you that even though you were completely and utterly content in in the relationship within the Trinity that you've invited us in, thank you, Lord, that we get to know you and enjoy you. You are good and we love you, Lord. Amen.